For you indeed, Lord God, are our hiding place. It is you that we go to, Lord God, in life toughest of challenges. But at this moment, Lord God, we speak to you, Lord God, asking you that you would touch our lives again in some way. Even as we pray, Lord God, we want to thank you for your faithfulness over the years. But yet you continue want to mold us and to shape us to the image of your Son. As there's things about us, Lord God, that are not perfect, Lord God, so we continue along that process day by day. So we yield our, our hearts to you today, Lord, and we ask you or that you would do a great work in us. Now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32? Deuteronomy chapter 32. If you're not familiar, you know it's kind of near the beginning of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 32, the children of Israel have finally traversed Egypt, that God had delivered them out of Egypt, and they had journeyed through the wilderness with lots of trouble. In many cases, Israel was unfaithful. In fact, if you recall there at Mount Sinai, that the Israelites, that some of them, they wanted to return back because the journey to them had become so rough, they thought that slavery was better. They thought that slavery with the Egyptians was better than the wilderness in freedom with the Lord. And now that things were winding down, they were now ready to cross the Jordan River over into the Promised Land. They finally made it through. Moses had a couple of last few words with them as well. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 14, in fact. The Lord spoke to Moses. And the passage says, And the Lord, this is Yahweh. Remember, all caps means Yahweh. And Yahweh said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. So God told Moses that 
even though it is now time you have dealt with this rebellious people for 40 years, and now you can see the promised land from here. God spoke to Moses and said, the days approach when you must die. In fact, look at verse 16. The Lord said to Moses and Yahweh, Yehovah said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers, which means you are about to die. So he says it twice, just in case uh, Moses happened to forget what God said the first time. But who can forget words like those? So now it's time for Israel to cross over. God has given uh, the last words to Moses saying uh, that it's about done with you. And in essence, that they're going to cross over, but you can't go. Imagine that if you would, that you have worked hard with people 40 years, and now that it's time for victory, you can't cross over. Then the Lord told Moses, verse 19, so now that you are about to be with the fathers, verse 19, now therefore, God says to Moses, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. So now what we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 32 is that song. These are the lyrics to a song. In fact, you can just call it a psalm, the psalm of Moses. Here in this song, God, He speaks to Moses to sing this song to the children of Israel. So imagine if you would that uh, here Moses is rapping because there's no rhythm section going on. Right? There's no turntable going on. So Moses is singing this lovely song to these folks. Look at verse 5. In chapter 32, this is part of the song, right? They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. This is the song that Moses is singing to Israel. Verse 6, do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you? who made you and established you. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. Verse 8, when the Most High gave uh, to the nation their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. But he's singing this. He's singing melody to these folks. Song is a prophetic statement 
of what's going to happen in the future. Verse 1, Deuteronomy 32. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew. Like gentle rain upon the tender grass, and like showers upon the earth. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, His work is perfect. For all His ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is He. Moses sang this song in one of the the things that he wanted to tell the children of Israel. And one of the things that, as we consider how God has been faithful to us over the years, uh, one of the things that we also must understand, and that is, here it is, that everyone needs the rock for strength. Everyone needs the rock for strength. And in fact, here, in verse 4, we see that, The Lord God is our rock. Can you say amen? This is significant in terms of this relationship between the Lord and the rock. You have Yahweh and the the rock. Uh, One is the other, the other is the other. But God is creator of all rocks. Amen? God says here that He is the rock. Right? Right? But God, remember that He created all things. Remember, it says in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God did what? He created the heavens and the earth, which means that if He created the heavens and the earth, He created all rocks. But we also must know that a rock or any rock is not God. All right? A rock or any rock is not God. Uh, The Lord uses this symbolism of what we know to help understand and to relate uh, to God whom we don't fully know yet. He used something that we know of to relate to something that we should know of. And what we know of is a rock. And what we don't know fully of is the rock is Yahweh. So God says the rock, He is the rock. The problem for some religious movements is that oftentimes they get confused. You have individuals who are deceived and they believe that when they see a rock that God is that rock. Right? You've heard of it. You, you know some religious movements who will worship a rock. They'll worship a tree because they say that rock is literally God. God is in and through that rock, so therefore I'm going to worship that rock. And that is the deception 
that occurs because if there is a creator and we know that there is a creator when he creates or makes something the thing that is made is not the thing that should be worshiped but the author and the creator of all things is who should be worshiped so we should never get it twisted we should never get it turned around we should not forget who the creator is yet creation is in place for our enjoyment and to remind us of the gloriousness and greatness of the Lord whom we serve. So notice by looking at the context of this passage that there are several references to a rock or rocks. You've got to look at that, which may or may not reflect something about the Lord, but it's important for us to see. In verse 4, we've already seen this initial reference, right? Where it talks about the rock. Look at verse 13. The Lord fed the Hebrews honey from the rock. Verse 13, they received oil from the flinty rock. Verse 15, people scoffed, right? They made fun or they didn't like uh, the rock. This is the capital rock, which is another reference for the Lord. Verse 18, people didn't consider the rock in their activities. That is the Lord. Verse 30, uh, neither people realized uh, or accepted the authority or the seriousness of the rock. Man, who wants to stub their toe on a rock? Verse 31, deceived individuals thought they had their own rock, not knowing they had nothing. As a result of much of this rock talk, there are undoubtedly Many false and deceptive rocks laying all over the place, causing wreckage and havoc in lives all over this world today because they have confused the Creator with the created. In Numbers chapter 20, verses 10 through 12, Moses heard from God again. And God told Moses as the children of Israel complained that here we are again, Moses, in this, in this wilderness and we don't have anything to drink. We're so tired of this. What are you going to do about it? So God told Moses, Moses, you're going to provide water for these people and you're going to speak to this rock and the rock is going to pour forth its water. So Moses, he decides that he became so mad. Don't you know that sometimes people make you so mad? You know, you know, sometimes people make you so mad, some people say, make me lose my religion. Make you say things you ain't have any business saying. Make you do things you have no business doing, all because somebody made you mad. So here is Moses uh, he's in the wilderness. God said, speak to the rock. Remember, Moses has already been a conduit for all of God's miracle, right? They crossed the Red Sea, right? Uh, that all the, the plagues that come upon Egypt did not come upon Israel. All these miracles, Moses saw it. So God says, Moses, speak to the rock and water will come flowing forth. Moses gets to the rock. He's so mad. What does he do? He takes the stick his staff, and he strikes the rock, 
And guess what happens? The water comes flowing forth. Well, hey, I didn't do exactly what God told me to do, but I went ahead and kind of did it, so I'm okay. Don't we think like that sometimes? You know, I'm not going to be obedient fully to God. I'm just going to follow God this. I know God told me to go this far, but I'm going to only go this far. And if I go this far, God's going to bless me anyway. And then you get enough of your friends with you, and they start agreeing with you. They don't know the Lord, and they're talking you know, crazy stuff. And then you say, yeah, you'll be okay. But you see here in Numbers uh, uh, that Moses did that, and God said what? Uh, 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 uh. Oh, no. I told you to speak to the rock, and you struck the rock. So what was Moses', Moses punishment? Moshe is the Hebrew. Uh, what is Moses' punishment, his discipline, for striking the rock? God said, because you did not reverence me, the rock, because you did not reverence me, you will not enter the promised land. Oh yeah, you're still going to take them like right there and you're going to even see it with your own eyes, but you are not going to enter into the promised land all because you did not reverence me. See. Never think that uh, just because, uh, again, I will follow God just this much that that's okay, that God is good with that because he's not. If God tells you to go all the way, how far should you go with him? All the way with God. So getting back to this idea of this rock, that as believers in Christ, we must always distinguish between the symbol and the Lord. Always distinguish between the symbol, even the cross, right? Even the cross that we've seen many, many times, the cross that's on my business sign, the card, uh, the, the cross that's in our logo, right? The cross that people have around our necks. We're not even supposed to worship that, amen? The cross is not a good luck charm that you rub or put on your dashboard with the hopes that God is going to give you good luck. It's there only as a reminder to remind you of whom? Of what Christ has done for us. So in the Old Testament, rocks were respected for what they were. In the ancient world, uh, there was no such thing as dynamite. Then they have the mega trucks or the house-sized earth movers. And the powerful drills that exist today were non-existent. Therefore, when people were uh, confronted with large rocks uh, that were so mammoth, there was nothing they could really do except to go around it, in most cases. There was no exploding the rocks to make way for a sidewalk or an expressway. And people and nations were faced with rocks. They were faced with a formidable presence that was immovable in most instances. But listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Speaking of the believers, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Uh, so in other words, 
Paul says that we are to be just like that rock. And we can only be like that rock only if we have Christ working in and through us. We are to be steadfast and immovable regardless of what anyone says. We are to be steadfast and immovable regardless of what our circumstances are doing right before our eyes. In the faith, we are to be steadfast and immovable regardless of what news that you get on your job. You are to be what? Steadfast and immovable. No matter how much you hurt, you are to be what? Steadfast and immovable. You are to be a rock. You are to be just like Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus, what do you have? Where is your hope? When we don't have the means to move rocks, and as we know, sometimes rocks can be an obstacle in our life. We want them to get out of the way. We'll do anything to move them, but they are so stubborn. They are an impediment to our growth and our progress. Are there any rocks in your life today that have become an obstacle to your growth? What is the one thing that's holding you back? In Matthew chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, Jesus says this, Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up uh, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. You see, there are some rocks uh, that uh, are not good for us that, that stop our growth and our maturity. And then listen to this. Some of you may realize, or not realize, but the rock can very well be your rock. The rock can very well be your rock. That one rock that is in the way, it is Jesus Christ himself. You're wondering, why has this happened to me? Why has this happened? I don't understand why I have no victory. And you see, for you it is because uh, Jesus Christ has become a rock of offense to you. You haven't yet understood that God calls you to himself. And the more you ignore him, the harder things get. The more you ignore and reject God, things just don't line up right in your life. So as Moses presented this psalm to the Israelites, he warned them about backpedaling, doing the opposite for which they were called. Deuteronomy 32, verses 30 and 31. Ask this question here. How could one have chased a thousand and two have put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them? Listen to that language. Unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up. Verse 31, for their rock is not as our rock. Our enemies are by themselves. In other words, what he was saying, uh, what he's saying, see, there's a promise in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, that says this, that when you walk with, with the Lord, regardless of how many enemies that you have front, uh, in front of you, it says one will cause 10,000 or 1,000 to flee. 
But here in this passage, what it's saying, the people of Israel, the faithful folks, that one of their enemies is causing a thousand of God's people to flee. That's what it's saying. Why is that? You see, that is abnormal for those who walk spiritually. Why are you running if you're in Christ? Why is the smallest thing causing you to run scared? Just like the children of Israel, it could be that you're not walking with God. Could be you're not walking with the Lord. In other words, they were once in God's court, but now they have turned away due to the life trappings and, and the plastic rocks that look real. Haven't you seen those in some of the catalogs? Uh, some, of, some of those rocks that you can buy that, uh, 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 that are made of plastic that you can hide your key up under? By the way, don't hide your key up under a rock, amen? Don't do that. It's too easy. You see, some of us have plastic rocks in our life and then when the stress and the tension and the heat of the day begin to burn, that it will cause our rocks to melt. And we will soon discover, after spending all of our lives hiding behind that rock, that that rock was no good. We'll find out that our rocks were plastic as they were tested by the heat of adversity and the test of time. But the rock gives us strength. The rock that Moses uh, presents is the Lord who is a shelter and our strength needed to carry on for us to carry on when circumstances get really tough. This has been true of our church and true in your lives as well, that God has been our rock. When I reflect upon these 10 years, and I've shared this with many of you before, and it is not a boast in anything that we're doing not even by the wildest of imaginations, but I've seen churches fold after a year. I've seen them fold after two years, after five years. In fact, some with many, many more members than we have. But they have quickly gone under. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why. But what I can say is that we have a cause to celebrate we have a cause, uh, to, a reason to give thanks to the Lord for all that he has done in and through our church and all the lives that, we, that he has used us to change in the Chicago land and for that matter, all over on the other side of the world. And for that, we can say, thank you, Lord. This church, not just one life, this church, this church is changing lives all over this world. You may not know it, and that's okay. But it is a fact. So therefore, we must continue to be about our rock's mandate. Amen? So here in Isaiah 48, verse 21, it says that the children of Israel did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. How can it be that you can take almost a million people through the desert where there is little or almost no water at all and they survive for 40 years? 
Come on, y'all. How is it that your family has been able to make it so far? How is it that when all the chips were down and the cupboards were bare, you still managed to make it? How is it that at those points when you were ready to lose your mind that you were able to lean upon the rock who was your strength, who supported you? Why is it that you are in places today that others have criticized for you in the past? And it is because during those times of wilderness, during those desert years, have you had desert years in your life? If you have not had a desert year, you hold on. You've got one coming. Again, I'm not wishing this on you. It's just a fact of life. Some of you are laying back on your flowery bed of ease, thinking that you're going to be okay for the rest of your life, not knowing that Satan desires to sift you as wheat. See, if, if, if we don't get it right in our minds and our hearts today, when the tough time comes, what will you have? Right? It requires times of spiritual investments. Right? You make investments in your bank account, and then when it's time to retire, you have something to withdraw. Amen? Yeah, therefore, as you make spiritual investments in your life on a daily basis, when it's time to withdraw, when life gets rough, then you know you can quickly go to the rock, but you can go to Jesus and that he will be your strength, he will be your fortress, he will be your shield, and God will be your buckler. You have something to withdraw from. But if you don't pray, Oh, I'm not talking about these namby-pamby prayers. Oh, Lord, bless my food. Amen. You see, when tough times come, it draws from you, right? Have you learned how to pray yet? Have you learned how to draw from the deep well of spiritual richness that Jesus Christ has ready and waiting for you? Have you learned yet? You see, the time that we begin to make investments is the time when things are going well. You see, when things are not going well, it's hard to make an investment, isn't it? But see, when the jobs are good, when, every, when life and there's a cool breeze coming from outside, you can make that investment. But if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. You may hit your head on the rock, and you may be in big trouble. It is in the midst of these troubles that our faith is forged. It is forged ever so purely and ever so resolutely in our hearts and in our thinking. You see, in order to obtain a strong faith, you got to go through something. One more time. In order to obtain a strong faith, you got to go through something. Those who insist that my life is nothing but victory, uh, you, you, you don't know the scripture. You don't know what, not, not what I have said. You don't know what thus says the Lord. 
God says, in order to forge a, a, a more sanctified person, that you're going to have to go through something in your life. You're like, yeah, right. Okay, turn uh, to James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. You, you see it. See it for yourself. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Who wants to do that? For you know that the testing of your faith, you see, when you go through trials, you know that it becomes a testing of your faith. Produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, if you want to have something substantial in your life, God says that you've got to go through trials to find... You see, the reason... Uh, what is the reason that uh, before they bring medications on the market uh, that they test them? They want to make sure that they're true and they, they do all the things they're supposed to do. If you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, the reason that you are tested... You are tested to find out if you are really in the faith. So if that's the reason why, and then we grow in that testing, then what that says is that we should count it all joy. Not count it joy, and we heard this last time, not count it joy uh, for the fact uh, that uh, this thing that happened to us, no, not that thing, because again, uh, bad things can happen, and that is certainly not good. Isn't that right? But we should count it all joy for what God is going to do in and through us uh, as a result of that situation. That's what Scripture says, that all things work together for good. To those who love God, right? And the call according to His purpose. So the intensity of a deep passion, of faith in Christ, is forged when Darkness and uncertainty are eviscerated from our hearts through the power of God's Holy Spirit and the testimony of His faithfulness. A rock can be our protection as it casts a shadow on the individual from the oppressive light of the sun and the desert. The work of the rock. Now, back to Deuteronomy 32. Verse 4 says here, the work of the rock is perfect and his ways are just. I need for us to look at this very quick. The Lord's work being perfect reminds us, reminds us, if it doesn't remind you, I'm going to remind you now, it reminds us of the sacrifices made on and around the grounds of the tabernacle or of the temple. What? Numbers chapter 6, verse 14. Numbers chapter 6, verse 14. Recall that the sacrifices that they made before the Lord 
that they need to be perfect and without blemish. Verse 14, Numbers 6. And he shall bring his gift to the Lord, one male lamb and a year old without blemish for a burnt offering, and one ewe lamb, a year old without blemish as a sin offering, and one ram without blemish as a peace offering. Now, what are you saying? Here it is. The word that you see when it says without blemish is the exact same word in, in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 4, that says his work is perfect. Ah. Without blemish concerning the sacrifice is the exact same word for perfection concerning God's work. There in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. That animal there, it needed to be perfect and without defect because to God, only perfection is acceptable. Why do you think we need Jesus Christ? Do you understand that? That the reason that we need Jesus Christ is because we are not perfect? Say it one more time. The reason we need Jesus is because we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You see, without that perfection, then we will not be accepted to God because we have blemish. So Jesus Christ perfects us. So when we are presented to God, what God sees in us is the blood of Jesus Christ who perfects us. Because Jesus Christ is without spot, He is without wrinkle, He is without blemish. Jesus Christ is perfect. Be ye as God is. We can only do it, not within our own selves, but only through the Lord Himself, Jesus Christ. So uh, this causes us to be in a dilemma. God wants perfection, and he wants to create perfection in us, in our church, but how must he do that perfection? You see, God is not going to go against your will either. If you want to remain a sinner, guess what? God is going to let you remain a sinner. If you reject God, God is not going to say, well, I'm going to make you accept me. You see, that's not what God wants. He wants people who want him. Who wants to be in a relationship with someone who don't want him? Have any of you ever been in a relationship like that before? Been in a relationship with someone who don't even want you? Some of you, some of you, not me, some of you, right, that you do anything that you can. I just want to, I don't care. Uh, you can go ahead and do whatever you want to do, and then, uh, then I'll be okay with it because I just want to be, no, uh, if you don't love me, uh, then I don't want to be with you. So God does not create that. You don't want to be with him, then you suffer the consequences. It's on you. But here, if we allow God's perfect work in us as individuals, this translates to his perfect work being accomplished in us and through his church. So, the rocks 
Work is perfect. So as God works, right? Remember that sacrifice. As God's sacrifice is perfect, as He is working perfectly, what happens is it automatically glorifies Him back. As God works in and through us, what happens? God receives the what? The glory. But we must be willing participants in the process. But what I need to do, I, I, I need to stop here because I, I'm just getting going, to be honest. I really am. I'm just getting going. I, as a matter of fact, on the next message, I need to go back and cover some things that I did not cover because I'm on the way. I'm on the way in now. I am. I'm, I'm, being, I'm, I'm on the way in to where I need to go. But I want us to remember this. I want us to remember that there is a rock and that Jesus Christ, he is our rock. And if you don't have a rock, you need to get the rock, not the plastic rocks, not the fake rocks, not the fakery, not those rocks that they can throw at you, you can keep on walking. I'm talking about those rocks that if you get hit by one of them rocks, you out. That's the kind of rock I'm talking about. So I would have you to consider this fact, that Jesus Christ, that he died for your sin, and that his work is perfect, and without him, you're not going to heaven. It's not my words. These are God's words. I want you to consider it. Consider your life. Maybe you have even once walked with the rock, but then you left him. And for you, you need to repent as well. But God has been faithful to us, and he continues to call us to faithfulness as well. Will you commit yourself to the rock today? Let's pray.